Welcome to Cannabis Business Minds, where we bring together the brightest minds to help you build a better business. Cannabis Business Minds is presented by live-consulting.com and found on cannabisradio.com. Here are your hosts, Simone Samaluka-Radzins and Kristen Yoder. All right, so on this episode of Cannabis Business Minds, we've got Brian Bergman from the Bergman Law Group, also known as the Hemp Council. Brian is an excellent colleague of mine, an amazing lawyer who has a wealth of knowledge beyond just California regulation, but really, truly business law. We're so excited to have you on the show, Brian. Thank you for coming. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes. Yes. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Time to be in hot seat. <laughs> it's not feeling too warm yet, but I figure it'll probably be oh, worse well, as we yeah. go on. Yes. <laughs> and before we get into any of our questions, we just wanted to get an overview from you on so much on the legal aspects, right? So on the federal, on California. Wait, wait Where did you start? Law. Like, How'd you get to this point? That's a pretty tortuous question, to be perfectly honest. But um, in a real quick nutshell, um, I actually started out as a music lawyer mm. um, back in uh, early 2000s. And uh, so I got a lot of contract experience and stuff then. But it was also right when all the file sharing lawsuits were going on. And it was a really turbulent time to be in the music industry. So I needed, I felt I needed a more well-rounded legal background. So I switched over to litigation, like business and real estate and Oh, I hated it, but family law as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I did that for over a decade. And uh, now I've uh, about two years ago or so, three years, I'm not even sure how many it's been. I just I saw where the industry was going and always had a personal interest in what was going on and saw that they really needed good experienced business lawyers in the industry, mm-hmm. and I just saw that a lot of what I did would translate very quickly with just some specialized knowledge. And so based upon that, just jumped into cannabis law not too long ago, mm-hmm. about a couple years back. And So you're a business lawyer specifically for cannabis businesses? Pretty much. Got it. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Did you have that like aha moment when you're like, oh no, I'm going to make the plunge into the cannabis industry? Yes. What was it? <laughs> if you want to tell us. I'm like, was it like a super good joint and a great conversation when you're like, that's it's like, it? What we mean? I put enough money into cannabis, it's time to get some money yeah. back. Yeah. Kind of like, family law was so boring. Like, you're like, let me change something. Well, yeah. it, there was. Definitely a bunch of starts and stops. I really hated family law. And I didn't like litigation in general because when you're doing litigation, you're really in a situation where you're constantly looking for how to fight with people and how to try Mm -hmm. instead of resolving things, which is how I'm. Like mm-hmm. programmed is I like to resolve stuff, not mm-hmm. cause the the parting yeah. and the drama the and everything. Drama, yeah. yeah, so sometimes it got on me in a way. So I was always looking for a way out, and uh, it was just a situation where it was an industry that was exciting. It was new. Mm-hmm. It was getting legitimized, and it was going to need a lot of ethical and responsible. Um, Representation still needs it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's something that's very important and something that I pride myself on still doing. So, mm-hmm. how long ago was that? Uh, a couple years ago now. Were yeah. you in California? Yes, I've always practiced in California. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we were talking about before you got on the show was like, like, well, what kind of lawyer is Brian? And so, could you talk to us and talk to our listeners about, you know? demystify cannabis law for us because we've got these defense attorneys, we've got contract litigation, we've got real estate. Like, will you tell us what are all these different types of attorneys 
And they is there themselves. one cannabis law yeah, attorney? Exactly. Or you talk, talk to us about this. I, I, I use the general term, the cannabis business attorney, mm-hmm. um, but this industry is partly why I love it so much, mm-hmm. um, and it was also the only thing that ever gave me any sort of emotional stimulation with family law, too, because it's similar, is that it hits on so many different areas and mm-hmm. so many different areas of expertise and types of law and things like that, um, that first off, no one person could be a lawyer for every aspect of the industry. Yeah, as you said, there's criminal work, there's land use work, there's mm-hmm. intellectual property, there's business law, things that have to be done. So it's not like you can just have a one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. um, lawyer or professional consultant of any nature, really. Uh, that's why I always tell everybody that I meet and talk with that having a team of professional advisors, emphasize the S, is so important. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people try to do the one-stop shop approach mm-hmm. sometimes, but you're not getting expertise in one particular thing, you're just getting kind of a little bit of knowledge and everything. And to me, I just think it's better to focus on what you're good at and, you know, work with and find a good network so that you can be a trusted advisor yeah. and get people to meet and, and have the other professionals that could help them do what they need to do to succeed. So for me personally, and what I do in general with my practice is I focus on probably about five main areas. Okay. What um, are those? I focus on, well, entity formations and strategies is a very important aspect of any cannabis in business. Um, it's really an enterprise as opposed to a single business when mm-hmm. you get down to it. Uh, there's so many different issues that come into the business that from taxes and finances to also liabilities and otherwise mm-hmm. that just having a one-size-fits-all entity does not always work. Mm-hmm. And um, as you as a financial consultant, I'm yeah. sure you know that well. Yeah. Um, I also... But just for the listeners that don't know, I mean, when you're talking about an enterprise, you're strategically saying maybe it makes sense to have multiple entities to overcome the battle of 280E or to protect your assets because it's federally illegal. Can you um, just go on a little bit about that? Absolutely. I mean, you you hit on some of the major points right there. Taxation Mm -hmm. hits Mm -hmm. and uh, also just wanting to be able to get the proper deductions and Mm -hmm. protecting your assets and also the federal liability issues and Mm -hmm. potentially state liability issues too. I mean, you don't want to be running any of your personal business, uh, any other businesses that are not cannabis related. You don't want to be running anything personal personal Mm -hmm. through this. You want to keep it segregated and protected as much as possible. And that's Mm -hmm. a very important aspect of this industry. Um, And you want to limit your liability as much as possible while also maximizing your ability to succeed. And that's why I call it an enterprise is because Mm -hmm. maybe you have one business purpose, such as cultivating uh, cannabis, for instance, Mm -hmm. but that still may require having a couple different entities as opposed to just one. Um, 100%. Yeah, and other areas of law. I mean, I can go on, I can go on each one forever, so I'm trying to keep it interesting yeah. and short here. <laughs> um, but, you know, the other big areas that I hit on, uh, contracts are obviously always very important. Mm-hmm. And writing a good, detailed contract that's actually enforceable and mm-hmm. that will actually accomplish your business goals and be something that you can rely on is so important. Um, There's license applications Mm -hmm. that are very important as well that need to be put together. Just overall regulatory compliance. Um, There is litigation issues that still come up. And, uh, um, you know, there's... And again, being a trusted advisor, there's there's other areas too. I mean, it's amazing. But one thing that I don't have is an ego where I'm trying to sit here and say like, oh yeah, I'll do everything. If there's something that's outside my wheelhouse, I'll refer it. Well, does your law firm have what you yourself as a lawyer do not cover? Do you have 
those kinds of lawyers working with you. Like those other service lines? Or do you mean like real estate or something? Yeah. I mean, we can handle real estate and we handle a lot. A lot of what faces the cannabis business, Mm -hmm. we're able to handle. And, you know, we can be the major lead counsel for just about everything that needs to be done. But, you know, there are some specific things where depending on the nature of it, I might like I can do some land use work, but I also know some great land use attorneys that are more specified for when you've got a special issues that are going on with zoning or Mm -hmm. building use and uh, IP work. I do know how to do licenses and the like, but if there's a registration involved, we may want to work with another IP lawyer. I don't do any criminal law. Yeah, I would much rather, and I do trust a lawyer that says they don't do it all. Yes, right. And that (laughs) there are other people that can do it because there are an innumerable amount of cannabis lawyers in California that are your one-stop shop. And no, they are not. No. No, they are not. (laughs) Yeah. Ryan's yeah. nice. He's not going to say that, but yeah. No, I mean, I, mean, I agree. It's nobody. We can't do everything. I don't do taxes. Not we realistic. do strategy. We, you know, like there's a certain amount of, you know, strategy that a company should have and a niche that a company should have. And if they don't know how to do that, that's okay. I think that's the biggest thing is you have to recognize like I'm great at this. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to focus my business on this and get my clients that are, you know, solving this one problem. Sure. But at the same time, you know, it's also good to continually be educating yourself about the industry and learning more about it. I mean, Simone, you and I, we started that great group together Mm -hmm. that we work with all these different individuals from different professional aspects of the industry so that we can uh, learn from the other professionals around us while having a great network. Are we talking about Canamines? Canamines, shout out. Shout, shout out, out to Canamines. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the bit, so you have all these cannabis clients, like, and you have all these services that you do, but what is the biggest problem that you're solving right now for these guys? Like, if you had to just, like, okay, you know, like, if I feel, you know. <laughs> like, is it compliance based? Is it strategy? To, like, yeah. what are you doing right now to help is these it guys? IP? And how, there's, yeah. there's such a spectrum of clients and client issues. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, when you talk about cannabis industry, it's not just one type of business. I mean, every sector. Every, every sector. And I'm not just talking about the actual, like, flower-touching business mm-hmm. aspects as well. There's also the investors that are looking to get in, the mm-hmm. people the who are real estate businesses, uh, owners and the like, and the issues that go into doing a good lease addendum and the like. Yeah. Um, doing Doing all the different things that come up with the ancillary products, like you said, Mm -hmm. and other, like, it just, there's no one issue Mm -hmm. that is above all that makes it worse or better. I mean, right now, what is really the biggest problem facing me as a lawyer Mm -hmm. is we're in this crazy, I don't know what else to call it, but a bubble of time right now. Mm -hmm. And um, really what's going on with that is we're, the, the regulations are changing so much on a daily basis right now. We've just got a new presidential administration mm-hmm. on the federal level, and their policies are still not clear. There's a lot of things coming down the pipe in uh, in Congress, Literally. and Literally. <laughs> yeah, pun intended, I guess, um, coming down the pipe on on different things such as um, you know con- congressional bills and everything like yeah. that. And then there's also issues with the state with all the different regulations that we can talk about because Absolutely. there's like the existing law, the proposed trailer bills that might there's change. There's just so this. many. Things. And then every local ordinance is mm. changing on a daily basis. Yeah. And a lot, and you know, what's great about California is they're really dedicated to, at the bureaucratic and state levels and local levels, to figuring this out. But it's such a new and 
exciting time, but it's also a very unknown time. Mm, absolutely. So every time you start to think you've got a handle on it and you think you've got a bead on where the regulations are going, it's go, oh, wait, we don't know if these are really going to pass. And what the a new version yep. comes out. Right. Yep. Yep. And before we get into that, let's take a little bit of a break and then we'll dive deeper into California and then the federal you know, legislation and what's going on right now. It's time for us to do some sponsor business. More Cannabis Business Minds when we return. This is Bobby Black, host of Blazin, here to talk to you about 420 Science. I've known Matt and Gary from 420 Science for over a decade. We've spent a lot of time together at the Cannabis Cups in Amsterdam, the Doobie Awards in their hometown of Austin. They were even at my wedding. And I've always admired their integrity and how they've built 420 Science from the ground up to become the most trusted online head shop. Visit 420science.com slash podcast for an exclusive deal on pipes and more from genuine people who put their customers first. That's 420science.com slash podcast. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Great minds think alike because they listen to Cannabis Business Minds. Presented by live-consulting.com, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, so we're back with Cannabis Business Minds, and we're talking to Brian Bergman, and we are learning a ton of information about what is a cannabis lawyer, what is not a cannabis lawyer. And before the break, we were just talking about California, the changing regulation. But before we actually talk about California, let's talk quickly about what's happening on a federal level. We already know it's completely illegal. We already know that there's a crazy administration. We talk about this all the time. But there's two interesting things that have been on our radar, Rohrabacher Farr and CBD. Like those to, to us are like the things that, who's going to address this? Like who can talk about this a little bit more? So can you shed some light? Happy to. And I mean, it goes back to what I was saying right before the break too. Um, it's that these things are still changing. And so, you mm-hmm. know, all we can, everybody is trying to just do the best they can to prepare. And, um, you know, for all the concerning comments you hear out of the administration, it's sometimes you hear more positive comments. Like, you know, there's been some other, that not only has it been negative, even, mm-hmm. even our attorney general has made indications that he's not necessarily, the DOJ is not necessarily going to be going after recreational businesses or anything. And that mm-hmm. the Cole memorandum that's in effect, um, from the prior policies from the prior administration are still going to be mainly followed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you got to remember, this is a Republican um, presidency, which mm-hmm. is generally big on states' rights um, mm-hmm. and business. So it's hard to see. And so you have to just watch for certain identifiers and such. And I'm happy to talk about CBD and Robacher far. Um, Robacher, uh, do you need me to talk about the coal at all or coal memo at all? Or? 
Just no. call Rohrabacher far? Yeah, I'd stick with Rohrabacher, right? Well, just, like, give, like, well, a little what stuff. Is like, the for people, people are like, oh, I don't yes. know Cole. Who's the Cole? What's Cole memo? Yeah, Quickly. basically what's been going on with federal government, it is illegal, but, you know, there's a limited amount of resources that the federal government can put on things. And there's still, we are still the United States of America. So, therefore, every mm-hmm. state has their own rights as well and their mm-hmm. own laws that um, are not necessarily preempted by federal laws. And so there's only so much that the federal government's going to do or focus on. So back in uh, 2013, the Obama administration's DOJ came out with a memorandum that is affectionately known now as the Cole Memorandum. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what it did was it listed about 13 or so different points of interest to the federal governments that they're, they're saying, look, we have limited resources. We're not trying to enforce states' laws. But if you fall within these categories, we're gonna, the federal government's going to be more concerned, such as like distribution to minors, diversion to cartels or across state lines to non-cannabis uh, legal states um, on federal property, something that hurts the public wealth or health mm-hmm. issues or something of that or some other public interests or something like that. And what that really did, which was so great, was it's not laws by any means. Mm-hmm. And it's just policy guidelines. And uh, Mr. Sessions, our attorney general, has said that while he thinks that there's some good stuff in the Cole Memorandum, does want to add more quote-unquote teeth to oh, really? the Cole mm-hmm. Memorandum. But oh, basically basically still follow mm-hmm. it. There was an article and some uh, statements he made about that back in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what they actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads... So, but basically that did give a great amount of direction to states like Colorado and Oregon and now uh, California mm-hmm. to understand, well, if this is what the federal government is focusing on and these are the areas that we have to make sure that we have good, solid regulations on, mm-hmm. well, then maybe we can come up with better regulations for um, governing state cannabis businesses. Mm. And that's what led to recreational cannabis. And that's what led to the Medical Cannabis Regulations Safety Act in 2015 here in California was states now having a better understanding of what federal and priorities are. And basically, it seems they're still going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's always on a federal level. What is going on? There's only you know the DOJ only enforces the laws mm-hmm. of the of the fe- of the country. Um, DEA same. So when you talk about the Robacher Farr Amendment, mm-hmm. uh, it's a writer um, to the Congressional Budgetary Spending Bill. And mm-hmm. so basically, that's the bill that talks about what every department of the U.S. government that can spend money on what. And there's been, since 2014, an amendment that essentially, in a nutshell, says that if you are a medical business operating within a state that allows medical cannabis businesses, Mm -hmm. then the federal government may not expend funds to interfere with the enforcement and enacting of these state business rules and regulations. Uh, There was a case that came down last summer that said, well, as long as this rider's in effect, then, um, you know... The federal government, the DOJ and the DEA cannot spend money to prosecute as long as this business mm. is state compliant, which you still have to prove that you're state compliant. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there yeah. because you got to show you're compliant. And if you don't, well, then guess what? You've just set yourself up really nicely because you've created your nice case against yourself. Yeah. Um, but on the same time, you've got to do what you got to do. And to be compliant, you got to keep good paperwork and trails of everything mm-hmm. that you're doing. So it's a very important thing to keep in mind. And... Uh, the thing about it is, though, is, A, that ruling was only binding on the Ninth Circuit, which is the Western states. And oh, okay. uh, it's okay. only 
it's it's not it hasn't been adopted by the other circuits, but it might. Mm. But it's also up for renewal every year. And so when the administration changed and it became an all Republican government, um, there was a question of the first I, the first real domino to look for was well, would the Robacher Farr Amendment mm-hmm. be renewed? And it's been extended now to September thirtieth. Why do you think it was extended and not just because all because the they're stuff that they're doing? No, because it's they they can't just shut down the government. And there was what was really stopping it was they were working on the government um, federal spending bill, and they basically put an emergency bill in place to extend it so that other issues mm. can be worked out on the federal level. Um, there's also been some other interesting developments federally. Has been that you know now that there has that last election was a big win for the cannabis industry. Yeah. And eight of the nine states with new legalization measures passed. Mm-hmm. And we're now up to more than half the country having, states having some legalization in one form or another. Mm-hmm. And it's created enough forward momentum. It was actually the biggest social issue voted on and the most successful social issue in last year's election, actually. It's amazing. It is amazing. Um, it's a really fastly growing industry. But um, because of that, there's now been something known as the Cannabis Caucus that's been created mm-hmm. in Congress where many of the congressmen and senators from certain states mm-hmm. that do have legalization are forming together to try and create some new lobbying and new bills to more address this. And there's things ranging right now for banking protection, tax relief from 280E if you're state compliant, mm-hmm. some bankruptcy issues, some veteran relief causes to give a veteran something other than opiate um, mm-hmm. medications to help them and many other cannabis business-friendly bills. How many of them will pass or not? Well, I was going to say, I'm curious as a lawyer who pays attention to this, and (laughs) because I'm a cynic and I have no faith in the government for the most part, I feel like, oh, bless their heart. There are little bills that aren't going to get anywhere because, come on, let's be honest. What do you think? Uh, is this I just, lean is towards this, the side of Kristen, honestly. Is this just like a... Like, I lobbied in D.C., but Hey, I, we're the cannabis caucus. Let's put in cannabis-friendly stuff, but everybody knows it's not going to get anywhere. But at least we act like we're doing something because we're... But it could be for their constituents. Look at it this way. Yeah, what? Like, what, though? Like, oh, hey, we did this for our constituents, even though it's not going to do it. They want that vote if they're up for re-election. Yeah, like, that's if true. if you think about all the people... I mean, I don't know, Brian, what's your opinion? Yeah. Do I think that most of these will be successful this yes. year on a personal level? Probably yeah. not. Um, but do you was think any of they this... think so? They'll tell you publicly if they do. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm speaking as a lawyer who's familiar <laughs> with stuff. And I'm answering you as a lawyer. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. <laughs> but um, all the same, I, I, you know, it's... I look at it a different way than you. Um, maybe that it's not going to be the immediate change that many of us in the industry would like to see. But... Was this conversation even happening two years ago? That's mm. a good point. Totally not. Yep. Was were, I mean, just look at how far the industry has come in the last mm-hmm. five years compared to where it was before. Totally. Um, really, since the coal memorandum was issued, yeah. that was the real turning point, and it's still continuing to turn. And you know, it eventually, I mean, many think that the tipping point's passed, and we're on a downhill roll now, and maybe not. I mean, things could obviously change very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more that this happens, and the more it rolls along, I mean, I think we have something like over. 70% of Americans in favor of some yeah. form of legalization yeah. at this point. That's a point. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely 
Kristen's been too jaded from her past in the cannabis industry. Dude, I'm and sorry. As well, you We've had be. much friendlier administrations than the one we yeah. have now. But so. I think, yeah, Brian's point is that there is kind of a change in how we're thinking as beyond just as the cannabis people. community. As a people. As, as a, a country. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and hopefully that can force it. Yeah. All right. Let's get into CBD. Sure. So I don't even know. How do we even begin these well, discussions? so recently... I'm December not sure. No, mm. I'm not sure where this was filmed or who was speaking to who, but somebody, I think it might have been the Cannabis Congressional Caucus, had asked the head of the DEA, "What about cannabis CBD specifically derived under the Farm Bill? And do these farmers have to worry about federal enforcement?" and head of the DEA, I believe, or someone from the DEA was like, if you're operating under the farm bill, you're not of concern to us. And to me, I was like, oh, wow. Like, that's, is that true? That, I mean, that's. And then for me, from the 280E perspective, I'm like, wait, I'm so confused. If, yeah, if you're under the. Are you a Schedule 1 or 2? Because if you're a Schedule 1 or 2, regardless if you're under the hemp bill, that's. A controlled substance, and that means you have two ADE. Yeah, and if you don't know, you don't know. If you don't well, know. I have a lot I can say to yes. it. I mean, for our listeners, um, first off, just to clarify, does everybody know what CBD is? Do we need to? I think we have a pretty educated cannabidiol. So it's basically pain, non-psychoactive, under the hemp bill, less than 03 percent THC. Well, Found let, in let, let's hemp. let's talk about that for an for for a minute. Yeah. Um, there is a real raging debate right now. And I mean, this is not the first time that it's come up where if CBD does not have more than 0.3% whatever of mm-hmm. THC in it, then it's not going to have as much of the psychoactive mm-hmm. and euphoric effects that tend to give rise to abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so there has been a longstanding debate about whether or not you know, CBD on its own really is subject to the same type of, of abuse that the Controlled Substances Act is concerned with. Mm-hmm. And many states like uh, do have just CBD-specific laws, and there's been some bills in Congress for f- a few years now about mm-hmm. exempting CBD, but they have not passed yet, and there has not been any changes. And so when you talk about the Industrial Hemp Act, mm-hmm. and you talk about what the definition of marijuana is under the um, Controlled Substances Act, it very specifically excludes oils derived from the stalks or resins if it doesn't have uh, THC or less amount of THC mm-hmm. in it. All that being said, the FDA has given cease and desist letters as mm-hmm. back in 2014, 2015, and probably before that there's no known health benefits as far as the federal government is concerned mm-hmm. to using CBD and warning companies off of adver- advertising it as having health benefits. There's also been uh, some back and forth about whether or not if it's still derived from the cannabis plant or mm-hmm. not, if it should still be considered a controlled substance. And despite the Controlled Substances Act saying it's exempted mm-hmm. uh, because it's coming from not from the flower and it doesn't have those levels, the DEA did give an opinion back in December of this last year that, well, until we heard otherwise, we still think if it derives from the cannabis plant, we're still going to all treat it the same as a Schedule One substance, regardless mm. of its chemical components. Um, there was a 
a big pushback and outcry about that because there's basically is the DEA trying to make new law right now. Mm. We don't know. And then other businesses are like saying, well, there's no reason why we can't sit here and sell, um, you know, send CBD because it seems to be an industrial hemp product mm-hmm. as well and not a THC product. So why can't we send it through FedEx or other yeah. courier services? And or the, the like? 50 states. I yeah, think you can lines. import it. Well, first off, under the Controlled Substances Act, it does say that you can't do that unless it's for non-human consumption. Mm. So it's Pet still treats. illegal. Exactly. Pet so it's treats. still illegal yeah. to do that, mm. um, even if it's for because if it's for human consumption, as far as my reading is concerned. Mm-hmm. That's just so insane to me when you think about the number of CBD companies that well, are getting out there and they're like, oh, I can ship 50 yeah. you know, across the state lines and I can do all these things. It's You're just, taking a risk. Well, yeah. and I did that, that one post that I had made where this I did research, like this CBD company in Puerto Rico had made all of these medical claims on their website. So, of course, they get an FDA cease and desist letter that really outlined you give medical claims that are not substantiated, which means that you're putting your product into the new drug definition, but a new drug must have an investigative drug study through the FDA, Uh and by not doing that then all of the claims you're making are false. And then, like, so basically what I got from the entire thing is you cannot make medical claims. You, (laughs) how do you sell CBD without putting a medical claim on it? And then this one guy was like, well, you have to put the FDA statement that these statements were not approved by the FDA, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're still advertising it, though, is that way you're still potentially engaging in what the federal government will deem to be false and deceptive practices. Yeah. So we get in arguments. I speak with, we speak with all kinds of different people and I'm like, CBD is federally illegal to ship interstate. But then people are like, but it falls under the farm bill. Yep. And it's legally protected. Well, and this I'm is, like, oh. You know, this is what litigation dreams are made of. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and eventually we're going to have litigation on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet, but there's also because who wants to be that test case and Nobody. run the risk and run the bill, the bills that are going to come with it? Somebody will eventually. Um, Not by choice. I, I, I heard that there were a couple major businesses calling with, putting together what they called the Three Musketeers Fund, where they were starting to pull some money together to start fighting oh, wow. uh, certain issues. But whether that happens or not and whether that was just gossip, who knows. Yeah. Um, but the bottom line is if you – you know, a lot of it has to do with risk aversion and analysis for yourself in the business, your type of running. I, I personally, if I wanted to – I would think that it would be best to work within the state you are in mm-hmm. and – you know, stick within that state. And if you wanted to do something similar in another state, you might be able to license yeah. some ideas and technology potentially as a way of uh, uh, doing this in other states as well. But you don't want to be creating franchises or you know, an overarching national product right now line because really you're engaged in interstate commerce if you do that. And you're yeah. much more into the attention of the federal government at that point. Well, and taking a step back. I'm like, I wonder if we're thinking the same I'm thing. I'm curious if we're thinking the same thing. You guys thing. are smiling at each other but like But taking a step back, you're minimum viable product. Like, why are you going to go try? Well, not even that. Oh, what were you thinking? Uh, this is such an annoying argument from someone who understands science and subspecies. But they're no, like, well, is it derivative of hemp? Oh, yeah. Or is it from cannabis? 
A, um, hemp is cannabis. Oh, so annoying. But anyways, like, just because you grew hemp in California, low in THC, higher in CBD, where a lot of lawyers are like, as long as it's grown in the state and you're not going interstate, you're a lot safer than if you were importing CBD from hemp. You mean exporting CBD from hemp? No, oh. importing yeah. CBD from anywhere outside of the state. Uh. That's interstate. So it's like, is it, does it make a difference if the hemp was grown in the state that you're in and you're only selling your CBD derived from that state's hemp inside the state? If you're ultra conservative, that would be your safest bet because as long as you're dealing with um, either a, a company that is properly registered and working under the industrial hemp laws of that state or at the very least was having a license to grow um, or other mm-hmm. permissions from the state to be cultivating and then extracting in some way, then you are at least following the laws of your jurisdiction as much as possible and minimizing your risk as much as possible. Some have lower risk aversions, some have higher, so it depends on what each business is willing to take on. Well, and then I'll I'll tell you what I'm thinking, then let's take a break for the speed run. But So what I'm thinking is that you want to test your minimum viable product. You have a great idea for a CBD product line. Why would you go and, you know, let's say you're in Oregon. Because I, I forget how many states are under the farm bill, but let's say that you're in a state with a farm bill, right? And you've got this great idea, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to ship it to California, I'm going to ship it to Canada, I'm going to ship it to New York. No, just why don't you try right now a small marketplace? This is just from a business strategy perspective. Like, just try it out right now. Talk to who's your target you know, client. Why don't you test that out? Test your packaging out on that small little geography Figure out how big that is because regardless, every state is going to have a population for hemp. You basically just describe green fever in a nutshell. What's that? Uh, I don't even know green fever. Well, we are in the midst of a it's booming, like a, a new industry right yeah. now, and there's uh, some people are calling oh. it the green rush, oh. and uh, it's you know a great new opportunities for a lot of new businesses and a new new way to get into mm-hmm. starting new businesses. Marijuana used to be a gateway drug, now it's almost becoming a gateway business. Yeah, and yeah. Um, green fever to me is this idea of oh boy, I can make a lot of money, and I'm coming in with a good business mind or a good product or something like that, and I'm going to go tell it to people, and then oh. I like your product. I like your idea. Well, what did you think about this idea? Oh, mm-hmm. you like this idea. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, why don't we get together and talk about this? Oh, cool. Well, let's go talk to these guys about this one now. Mm-hmm. And let's go over here. And all of a sudden, what you came into the industry trying to start and do, yeah. you start thinking too big, too mm-hmm. quick. You overexpand yourself. You put yourself into too many different areas. Yeah. And suddenly, you don't have resources or time for any of it, and it all crashes and burns. Instead of just focusing on what got you in there in the first place. Amen. Wow. Amen. That sounds familiar. Do you know our favorite quote before we take our break? I don't. What, the Abraham Lincoln? Of course. Duh. (laughs) Um, Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend four sharpening my axe. Great. All right, so we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get back to the speed round. It's time for us to do some sponsor business. More Cannabis Business Minds when we return. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. 
If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber Vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Great minds think alike because they listen to Cannabis Business Minds. Presented by live-consulting.com, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we are back with Brian Bergman, and we are talking about cannabis law, cannabis business, CBD, what's happening on a federal level, and now we're starting the speed round. Are you ready? I don't know. I think you're ready. I think you're ready. I think you're ready. All right, so if someone's just getting into the industry right now, what's one piece of advice you would give? Find good professional advisors. That you trust. Preach. Yep. Amen. Amen. And I don't say that from a business perspective for like me personally or anything like that. It's just think of the Fram oil filter commercial. Mm -hmm. It's better to set yourself up right to begin with so you're not paying out the nose later to fix it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I couldn't say it any cleaner than that. And, you know, the landmines that you're in in this industry with all the different regulations, as we talked about, California is constantly changing mm-hmm. state regulations right now, your local regulations, your federal issues. Not, and that's just legal. What about your 280E and your financial concerns and mm-hmm. your books and accounts and management, knowing your zoning laws for your real estate and all the other areas that you you know, having good government relations with your fi- government consultants. I mean, really, there's brand management. There's so many different yep. areas that you have to hit upon and know what you're good at know what you're strong at mm-hmm. and have the ability to have f- and find others that could help you with those things that you're not strong at. Very Amen. very good answer. Okay, next question. What motivates you? In what sense? To be in the cannabis industry to continue despite a continuously changing legal structure with the federal government, with the state, with local Whatever to get up situation. every day and go to work. Yeah. It's exciting. It's there's different things happening every day, and there's opportunity abounding, and um, it's actually still it's it's still a very um, I don't know how best to put this. It's still an industry that because it's still growing, there's still something of an us against the world mentality mm-hmm. that brings people together, and in general, it's just a lot of fun. It's almost like a friend with weed is a friend indeed. (laughs) 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 And when they're making business and money together, it's even more fun, isn't it? (laughs) This this industry is so fun. Yes. I mean, it's, 
I, I enjoy it. I, I, I love learning that things are changing every day. So it's something new and exciting to be attacking. And the different challenges that my clients are facing is always so fun because it's always something new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we always have something new to work on together. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in general, yes, it's a social industry. There's a lot of uh, good events that happen on a regular basis that even though you're out networking, you're actually kind of having fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, last question is, where do you see yourself and your company a year from now? Myself and my company. Well, it's been growing pretty big, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's been wonderful, and I hope that that just continues to. Um, I really want to focus on quality over quantity at all ends. So it's just about managing the growth and the opportunities and hitching my saddle to the right horses. Uh, Finding the businesses that are going to do it right, that are going to succeed, and that I can help succeed. Uh, my jobs, I don't need the personal glory for it. I want to see my businesses and my clients succeed. And if they do and I see that, then it's a job well done and the referrals will be my accolades. Yeah. So to me, that's I just want to see my clients succeed. That's an excellent answer. Yep, it yes. is. I mean, it's you have to really go in it with trying to help somebody or trying to solve a problem. And we've seen that the most successful people are really – going beyond themselves and trying to help. And in, embrace the uncertainty. Yeah, and you know, I got to say, it's um, it's been really exciting to see it. Like, that's part of why I got out of litigation, because instead of trying to extricate people from messes so mm-hmm. much, it's become more, how do we work together to grow? And uh, it's just been very exciting to do that and just to see these opportunities for everybody and, mm-hmm. and chances to succeed has been really wonderful. Yeah. Before we get off, anything else that you want to tell our listeners or that you want to share with us that we didn't get time to talk about? I mean, there's so much. But <laughs> we'll have to get you on the show another time then. I mean, I've, I, I've had a blast. I can't believe how fast that went. That yeah. was that was really quick. Um, but it was great. I really enjoyed it. And I, the best advice I can give to everybody out there yeah. is, uh, you know, be quick, but don't hurry, like the great John Wooden once said. Um, you know, know what you need to do and have a good plan in place and keep in mind what you're trying to accomplish in that plan and don't get too far astray. But at the same time, don't expect everything to change overnight. A good plan mm-hmm. takes a while to develop and put in. It goes back to your Abraham Lincoln quote. Yeah, yeah it's our favorite quote. Well, Brian, thank you so much yes, for joining you. Canvas Business Minds. I had a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. All right. It's always such an interesting conversation with Brian. Uh, I'm glad that you guys got to meet and he was on the show. What do you think, like, what was your main recap? I'm really refreshed to hear a cannabis lawyer mm-hmm. not act like he can do it all. I mean, I mean, seriously, if you're going to figure out whether or not you should trust your lawyer, does he promise you the world? Because that is a shady <laughs> lawyer. Yeah. You know, and it helps to be in the same room with him, but even if we weren't, he admits you know, like, I do not do everything. Mm-hmm. No lawyer does everything. Mm-hmm. It's like we learn with demographics. If you appeal to everyone, you're good for no one. Yep. You know? Absolutely. And, I mean, the whole thing is, like, even on the speed round, he was like, nobody can do it all. You have to have a team of trusted advisors. And he was like, it's not even a sales pitch, but it's so accurate. It's like, you need, you know, you might need a lawyer, but you might need a lawyer for your business, contract management, for, you know, uh, Special use cases. Yeah, criminal defense, 
yeah. land use. Like it's and, and the spectrum of legal goes way far beyond this cannabis business lawyer, mm-hmm. right? It's, exactly. He's a true business lawyer. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. That's my takeaway. I think mine was his optimism on the federal government. Which is so weird for a lawyer. Yeah, but I mean, it's indicative. I liked how he was like, hey, you know what? Um, two years ago, this conversation wasn't happening. Which is a good point, yep. especially considering the administration. Absolutely. There's a hell of a lot of conversations going on with this administration, whether they mean anything or not. Yeah, absolutely. Right? No, so I mean, it was a very positive thing, and I always learn something when talking to Brian. He's just like a wealth of knowledge. Yes, it's always nice to have a lawyer you can talk to for free. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, Well, for everybody joining us and listening, thank you so much. And uh, come to our Facebook group, Cannabis Business Minds, and let us know what you think about lawyers. Like, do you feel that you've had an experience that you see this one size fits all or you you work with multiple lawyers and that's what you're getting um, use out of? Absolutely. And feel free to, I don't even like the fact that I'm becoming this person who's like, leave us a review on iTunes, but I'm going to be that person. Don't be that person. No, I am because, you know, it's, people are so used to complaining about bad things, but how many times do we reinforce good things? Not much. Like, let me tell you, when I go to Subway and they like <laughs> put the right amount of lettuce and the right amount of onions on my veggie patty and it like fits and it's not like they just mash some monster disgusting salad between (laughs) bread i thank that person for doing a good job because guess what it is not common so i say it's easy to complain but how many times do you reinforce the good things in your life if i sway you by chance you feel like doing a good thing go to itunes and leave us a review no much appreciated 100 yeah we will love you yep Thank you so much for joining Cannabis Business Minds. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Cannabis Business Minds. You can download episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and very soon on iHeartRadio. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.